Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 76, and we are recording on April 11th. I'm Jen Worthington, and I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. How's it going? Oh, you know, it's a launch morning, so like it's great and also terrifying. Everything's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) You have had a week. Word. (laughs) I have. I have. Um, We are launching Book Riot Insiders today, but I'll tell you more about that later on. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess we'll just dive right in. I have no banter. I I have zero banter. I I will. It's fine. Do you want me to explain how the show goes? Yes, if you don't mind, that would be wonderful. I am totally here for that. Uh, So as Jen said, this is a show for personalized reading recommendations. Um, So you can send us your reading recommendation requests and we will answer them on the show. These can be, I mean, for anything, you need a a book recommendation for your book club, you read some title and want something that's similar to it, Um, you know, you need a gift, anything like that. You can email them to us at uh, getbooktobookwrite.com or you can drop your question in the uh, form at the bottom of the show notes on the site. If your question is time sensitive, uh, please note that in the subject line of the email or in the very first line of the question if you leave it on the form um, so that we can get to it in time. We do email some people back instead of answering the show the question on the show. If we've already answered your question um, on the show uh, you know, previously or if your question is super time sensitive and we're not going to get to it, then we'll email you an answer. Uh, and that is, the, oh, the post on the site is a thing that we're going to start doing. Sometimes y'all send questions that we just can't, like we have, <laughs> we have no idea where to start with like my five seconds and Jen's many years of book selling experience combined. No. And we're still just like, I have no idea. Um, so we're going to, st- is this going to be weekly? I don't think I know. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Well, it's semi-regular is, yeah. the, is the phrasing I'm using right Okay. Now. So we're going to take those questions that just stump us super hard and open them up to the contributors and let them all recommend things to you. And so these will be posts on the site um, semi-regularly for the more obscure and difficult questions that we're letting our contributors take a crack at. So you can keep an eye out for those two um, because they're just, man, y'all read some specific stuff. It's it's entertaining. Okay, so that is how the show works. We're going to do our first question and then I will... um, give you our first sponsor and we will roll on. So go, go gadget, Jen. All right. So our first question is from M who says, I'm proudly a plus size slash curvy for lack of a better term woman in her late twenties. And I was wondering if you had recommendations for books with female main characters who are also described this way. Growing up, I really identified with Meg Murray because she felt out of place with her appearance. Like I did recently. I have loved reading Dumplin size 12 is not fat Duff and bet me. Oh, love bet me. Uh, because they featured characters I could relate to physically who were described positively and had a happy ending that didn't involve them losing a lot of weight. I most recently read It Had to Be You and didn't love it. Uh, let's see. I always hated reading books where the fat slash chubby girl found happiness after losing a few pounds. I plan on reading Shrill and 13 Ways of Looking at a Fat Girl, but I was wondering if you have any recommendations for fiction or romance books with more characters I could relate to that have enjoyable storylines. 
Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, yes. So first Amanda's going to tell you about our sponsor, and then we will give you some recommendations. Okay, our sponsor is Falling Hard by Stacey Finns, which is, I love the series title for this. It's the ninth book in the Nugget series. What? Uh, Nugget being the name of a small mountain town in California. Okay. I was like, Nugget, like chicken nuggets? I like, know. When, nugget I, when I got the, the notes for this, I was like, oh, I have questions. <laughs> or like gold nuggets. There's so many different nuggets. I feel like it's supposed to be a gold nugget situation. Like it's an uh, old mining town kind of a thing. Um, gotcha. Anyway, but it is not uh, a historical. This is a contemporary book. And so the heroine's name is Annie. She is going to spend this summer focusing on herself. She's not going to support any more lazy, horrible boyfriends. She's not going to coddle her irresponsible family. She's not going to spend any more time taking care of people who don't deserve her help. So instead, she's headed to an estate in Nugget in this remote mountain town to like just spend the summer with her boots in the mud, hands in the dirt, self-care, basically. Self-care summer for Annie. And the hero's name is Logan Jenkins. He is a former Navy SEAL, and he's about to start over fresh in the private sector, but then he gets a bequest from someone he never knew, his biological father. And so to learn more about his biological father and his background, Logan goes to his late father's estate, um, where Annie is, as I'm sure you put two and two together, um, where he is, you know, immediately knocked on his heels by this very nice lady who has a heart of gold. But as in most romance novels, there are complications. Annie's really not looking for a fling, and they both know that Logan isn't in Nugget forever. He's just there to learn about his biological father. So falling in love should not be an option, but every time they're together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So as the name implies, falling hard. So go check that out. That's by Stacey Finns, uh, and it is out. It comes out today. So by the time you listen to this, you can go get it. So thanks for sponsoring the show. Okay, um, I will just keep going. So okay. my pick, I love, yes, okay, uh, Bet Me is amazing. Dumplin <laughs> is also amazing. Um, Shrill is great. 13 Ways of Looking at a Fat Girl is good, but not so happy. Not as happy as all these other ones. Um, anyway, so my pick is Nine Rules to Break When Romancing a Rake by Sarah McLean, which is the first book in her Love by Numbers series, all of which have really, really excellent titles, like Nine Rules to Break When Romancing a Rake. Um, so the main character's name is Calpurnia, Lady Calpurnia, Hartwell, and she is a very good woman in this like Regency historical setting. Like she follows all the rules. She's not um, ever done anything scandalous, and following all the rules has have left her like very unsatisfied with her life. She's not married. She wants to be in a relationship and be happy and have a family and all of that, but she's too much of a rule follower and can't um, find that particular happiness that she's looking for. So she's vowed to like make, she's made this list of everything that a lady is supposed to do or not do. A lady doesn't smoke. A lady doesn't ride a stride on a horse. Um, a lady does not fence or fire guns or, or gamble, stuff like that. And she decides she's going to break all these rules and go find happiness and find out like what she's been missing. Um, and so she needs like a willing partner for a lot of these rules that she wants to break, including stealing a midnight kiss, dancing every dance at a ball, those kind of things. And so she goes uh, to a Marquess. I never know how to say that. Mar Marquis? It's Marquess, right? I think it's Marquess. Marquess of Ralston. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway. Who's like, of course, a very charming rake, um, who she assumes will be very willing to help her steal a midnight kiss um, and to, for his like assistance in doing all of these things. And uh, she, of course, they fall in love. And yay. Um, she's described like... I don't remember the exact language that Sarah McLean uses to describe her physical appearance, and the cover model is not reflective of what Calpurnia is said to look like in the book, but she's definitely not, like, 
I don't know, like I'm looking at the cover and it's just, it's this very thin svelte model who just happens to have a very large chest. And that's not how she's described in the book. Um, so it's, I mean, it's a romance, so it's got a happy ending. Both of the characters are very likable. Calpurnia is hilarious. And like these <laughs> rules that she creates for herself are just the, and like when she goes to fence, she disguises herself as a man and has to like wrap her chest. And there's like this whole sex scene wrap, where that revolves oh, around yeah. her chest being wrapped up. It's so good. Anyway, so it's excellent. Sarah McLean is a genius. So that's nine rules to break when romancing a rake by Sarah McLean. So good. Okay. Um, my pick for you is an author I love, but a book I haven't read yet. But I was co-signed by Preeti, so you know it's good. And it is The Upside of Unrequited by Becky Albertalli, which also comes out today. That comes out today. So by the time this airs, you will be able to get it. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I swallowed wrong. <laughs> oh, um, no. I'm super good at life. Uh, so... <laughs> So Becky Albertalli is the author of Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, which is hilarious. And this new one is about a girl named Molly, who is 17, who is like a specialist in unrequited love. Um, Her twin sister, Cassie, has like, it's very good at dating, but Molly is too afraid of the idea of rejection. So she's super careful um, and just like lives in her unrequited corner. Because she's fat, and that's what she feels like she has to do. Um, and then a new girl uh, enters Cassie's orbit. And so suddenly Cassie's just obsessed, and Molly feels like she's lost her twin. And then uh, the girl, the new girlfriend comes over with a cute hipster boy. And Molly's like, ah, if I can get him to date me and get my first kiss, and then we'll all be like dating together and everything will be perfect except that's not how anything works out because this is a YA novel um and and then there's of course her co-worker Reed who is also he's chubby and he loves Tolkien and he loves a renaissance festival and there's no way she's gonna fall for him except maybe that is what's gonna happen so Molly has a lot to figure out clearly um and Becky Albertalli is just so funny and good with voice and dialogue. Like, her books just crack me up while also giving me many feels. So I feel like you will enjoy this. Uh, so that is The Upside of Unrequited by Becky Albertalli. All right. Question two is from Kate, who says, My dad's 60th is coming up, and I want to get him something special. We do not have the same reading taste whatsoever, so I was hoping that you could help me out. I know he liked Heretic by Ayan Hirsi Ali, The Pagan Christ by Tom Harper, and Snakes in Suits by Paul Babiak. He is a retired lawyer, if that helps. Um, I would also be open to something that makes a joke of him getting old. <laughs> well, I missed that part. So uh, yeah. I just couldn't think of anything. <laughs> yeah, mine does not have a, uh, any jokes about mm. dads getting old. I also had, didn't recognize any of those titles that you said that your father was into. So this involved a little bit of research on my part. Um, but I think I got a good one. So I ended up with Zealot, The Life and Times of Jesus of Nazareth um, by Reza Aslan. It looks like your your dad likes interesting or um kind of a little bit subversive or more academic interpretations of religious beliefs. So that's what I went with. Um, So Reza Aslan wrote the the bestseller, No God But God. And this book takes a look at the life and times of Jesus, um, but from with like the mythology kind of stripped away. So it's more about Jesus as a revolutionary political figure in first century Palestine, which um, was a time of a lot of apocalyptic kind of fervor. There were like tons of dudes walking around the desert, not pretending, but claiming to be prophets who all um, amassed these really big followings. And Aslan talks a lot about those separate um, 
men and then what made Jesus a particularly attractive figure and what made him stand the test of religious time, basically, um, so that he has this, of course, worldwide following now while all of these other people don't necessarily. Um, And he's looking at the history of why the church um, made him into, you know, this very peaceful kind of spiritual figure instead of what he maybe more accurately was, which is a which which was a um, kind of revolutionary political zealot. Uh, so it's a obviously uh, controversial look at the life of Jesus, as really I think any look at the life of Jesus would be uh, written these days. Um, but it's been on tons of bestseller lists, and I saw uh, Ray Aslan speak about his book. Um, I think it was on Fox News, and the interview was with some really awful Fox News pundit. And it's a re- he's just like so knowledgeable about the subject. And it's just a really fascinating look at a figure who has kind of defined modern times. So that's Zealot, The Life and Times of Jesus of Nazareth by Reza Aslan. I did feel like I was back at the bookstore with this one. I was like, oh, yes, I haven't had this come into the store. Like, oh, here we go. Um, So I'm going to recommend a book that I did recommend a bunch at the bookstore, uh, which is Lost at Sea by John Ronson. Um, You mentioned uh, Snakes in Suits, and John Ronson wrote a similar book called The Psychopath Test, but Lost at Sea is an essay collection. So I mention Psychopath Test because he's already sort of in that ballpark that your dad is interested in. But what this collection is about is he's done a bunch of short pieces on all of these different, like, fringy things, like insane clown posse fans and (laughs) indigo children and credit card company predatory tactics and then, like, nuclear physicists and UFO believers and, like, all of these, like, fringy weird things. Um, And Ronson is a good writer. Um, He is... It's interesting. He got some heat for a, a more recent book, which is uh, "You Have Been Pu- So You've Been Publicly Shamed." And like, whatever your opinion is on that, I think your dad will find lots of interesting things to know about in here. It's one of those like, "Hey, did you know?" books that you know gives you lots of little tidbits to talk about. Um, and it's not like a, Ronson is a good writer, and he's very uh, good at like conveying his the people he's writing about. So there's you would also maybe enjoy this if you wanted to read something together with your dad. Um, hopefully it's not too fringy for him, but since it, it doesn't seem like that's likely, so I don't know, give it a look. Uh, so that's Lost at Sea by John Ronson. All right, next question is from Jay, who wrote a long question, and I'm going to shorten it a little bit. Uh, dating a new man, um, so Jay is an agnostic Middle Eastern woman with a Catholic upbringing, dating a conservative, smoking hot, Spanish-Moroccan-Israeli Jew living in Paris. <laughs> Uh, in a tumultuous long-distance relationship. Um, do you have any fiction or nonfiction reads you could recommend that might be interesting insight into the Jewish people and culture? I don't want anything Holocaust or World War related. All right, so I'm just going to keep talking since I'm already talking. Um, so I am recommending to you the author Kaim Potok. Um, I read him as a younger person and just loved his books so much. So I'm having a really hard time picking which one. Like The Chosen is always the one that comes up first, but I think I reread My Name is Asher Lev the most. Um, but then also his short story collections are just bananas good. So I, like Old Men at Midnight, oh, what a good book. So I feel like you just need to go to the library, see what they have, or like go to your local bookstore, see which one they have, pull it off the shelf and read it um, because he's amazing. And he is not talking about world wars or um, 
the Holocaust, although, of course, these things do come up because they're relevant to the lives of the characters. But like, you know, The Chosen is about growing up in New York and being a young man and struggling with faith and identity. Um, My Name is Asher Lev is about a young man who wants to be an artist but is struggling to, like, you know, get out of the confines of the orthodoxy that his parents have raised him in. Um, There's just a bunch of different ways that he is approaching Jewish culture uh, in his fiction, which is what it sounds like you're looking for. So that's Haim Potok. Um, he is just amazing. Uh, so really, I don't think anything you pick up can go wrong. Oh, also, there is, we have a list um, that I will leave in the show notes that's Jewish historical fiction, not about the Holocaust, um, which will give you some more options as well. Okay. <clears throat> she mentioned in this question that her boyfriend is a conservative right-wing Zionist, and that's causing a lot of friction in their relationship. So the book that I picked is Our Harsh Logic, uh, which is from... Breaking the Silence, um, which I've recommended on the show before. Breaking the Silence is a group or an organization. It's an organization in Israel of veterans of the Israeli Defense Forces who ha- who were part of the occupation of Palestine um, and who are, after their service is over, are speaking out about what that experience was like, um, being part of an occupying force and uh, kind of telling the true story of what the IDF is doing in those spaces, which is very often almost entirely the opposite or um, not reflective of the official line of what they're doing in those spaces. Um, So if you're, I picked this because if your boyfriend is feeding you a line about of conservative right-wing Zionism that you can't counteract, this book will give you a lot of resources um, from people who actually live there uh, and have served in those forces about what that experience is like. But on the other hand, um, you know, the guys who are writing these accounts and these testimonies um, are Israelis, and they they don't align necessarily with one, um, especially American political ideal of, of what Israel should or should not do in that area. Um, but since you're not American, it may be I don't know. I, it, it's a, that might not be such an issue for you, but I, so I think it will present both sides. Um, in a way that would be useful when you're having these particular specific conversations with this guy is what I'm trying to say. Um, and even if you don't like, if it's a topic, a landmine that you guys like never talk about, it's still a really interesting read and gives a lot of insight into, um, Israeli and Jewish life in our type, like current, um, you know, things that are happening right now. Um, so that's our harsh logic from breaking the silence. Okay. My turn. Do, 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 do. Scrolling, scrolling. All right. This is from Amy. Amy says, I would like to expand my reading in literary fiction. However, in general, I don't want to read books about rape, child abuse, infidelity, or rich people problems. I love the beautiful style of writing that you often see in literary fiction. Um, She lists some examples, White Teeth, uh, The Tiger's Wife, um, Swampland, Middlesex, The Guernsey and Literary, Potato Pill Pie Society, and Stones from the River. I primarily read YA fantasy and natural history because there are more signposts within those genres to help me find what I'm looking for. I do read literary fiction sometimes, but I find myself avoiding it because I can't easily find things that appeal to me. Um, Can you suggest literary fiction books that I might like or ways for me to select books that I'm not going to toss aside halfway through because of rape, child abuse, or just general self-involved uh, cruddiness of all the characters. <laughs> Good edit. Thank Good you. on the fly edit. <laughs> uh, trying to keep our non-explicit rating here, guys. Yeah, Not always seriously. easy. Um, okay, you go, Jen. I've been talking for a while. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a this is tricky, but there are books out there for you. Um, I am recommending Exit West by Mohsen Hamid, which is not 
it's not a light book, um, but then again, like neither is Middlesex, so I think you're going to be fine. Um, it is amazing. It just came out recently. Uh, well, yeah, last month, and it is about two young people who live in an unnamed country that is. Uh, it's like clearly, you know, Arab or Middle Eastern. Um, and is is on the verge of civil war, and there's rebels, and there's a you know powers that don't want to let go of their power, and all of this stuff. And and so these two young people meet Nadia and Said, um, and they are drawn to each other, and they start having a relationship, which they it has to be secret because of you know cultural taboos. Um, and in the meantime, their city is just like falling apart around them. So it, it, they hear of these doors that can take you somewhere else. You don't know where you're going to end up, but you know you will end up somewhere far from where you started. Um, and that's kind of the modern fable aspect of this book. It's like a little touch of magical realism. Um, so they go through a door, and then they go through another door, and they're trying to find a place that can be home for them. Um, and so this is about refugees. It's about my it's about having to leave things behind when you're not necessarily ready to leave them behind. Um, it's about a relationship and how that can change when you're forced into these really intense emotional circumstances. And can your relationship last or does it change? So it's a really intense, lovely, beautifully written book that I just cannot stop talking about, clearly. <laughs> I'm super obsessed with it. Um, and it does not have any of the things that you're talking about. Uh, so I think everybody should read it, but I think you in particular will enjoy it. So that's Exit West by Mohsen Hamid. Okay. Um, my pick for you is The Curious Charms of Arthur Pepper by Phaedra Patrick, which is about a, an elderly man. He is in his very late 60s named Arthur Pepper, who um, lives a very simple life. He has no rich people problems. He's a like locksmith uh, or a retired locksmith. Um, he has a very uh, simple daily routine that he clings to because he, he, uh, his wife recently died and this is how he's like hanging on. Um, or recovering, is sticking to his routine. So his wife died about a year ago, and on the anniversary of, her name was Miriam, on the anniversary of Miriam's death, he starts finally allowing himself to go through her um, old clothes and stuff to get rid of. And while he's doing that, he finds a charm bracelet that he had never seen before. And, you know, they were married for like 40 odd years and he never saw this bracelet. And he finds a phone number on the back of one of the charms. Um, and so he calls it, uh, thinking maybe like this wife that he was with for all this time was cheating on him or something. Um, and it turns out that the phone number connects to a boy in India who is now an elderly man also who, uh, his wife used to be kind of like a governess for. And Arthur had no idea that his wife was ever in India to begin with. And he starts to realize that she had this whole life before they ever met that, um, he knows nothing about. Um, so he goes on this adventure like to London and Paris and India and all across the world to, find out more about his wife's life before he knew her. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's parts of it are hard. Obviously it's about a, a widower. Um, he's got some troubles with his adult children. His, um, his daughter recently lost a pregnancy. So she's having a really hard time in her marriage. Um, his son lives in Australia. Neither of them came to the funeral. Um, so he's working through all of that. So there's a lot of tough stuff happening here, but it's not necessarily because anybody's been, I mean, it's not because anyone's been abused and it's not because anybody's self-involved. Um, it's just because, you know, they're human beings who have human feelings and conflicts and stuff like that. So, uh, parts of it are really heartwarming parts of it are really hard to get through. Um, but it doesn't have any abuse or child harm or any of that. Um, 
but it is, you know, got that literary fiction thing of like, let's take a deep dive into the hardness of what it's like to be a person. <laughs> so that's The Curious Charms of Arthur Pepper by Phaedra Patrick. All right, it is time for our second sponsor, <laughs> which is Book Riot Insiders. Yay! I'm up at Armsing, in case you can't tell. Um, I teased you a little bit before, but now I will tell you what it's actually about. So we now have a subscri- subscription program called Insiders, as I said, um, <laughs> with all kinds of exclusive content and goodies. Um so the pricing starts at just $3 a month or $29 a year. And then there's a couple other levels that have increasingly excellent perks associated with them. And you can get all kinds of great stuff, including a behind-the-scenes newsletter from staff, of which Amanda is writing the first one. Hey-o. So if you ever wondered what it's like to be Amanda, you will get a peek inside. Um, <laughs> Here's a picture of my dog. Here's a picture of my other dog. <laughs> right. Um, we also are going to have exclusive deals to the Book Riot store. There's a dedicated Read Harder podcast. There is the amazing new releases index, which is a curated list courtesy of the amazing Liberty Hardy of books that are coming out soon that will let you track them. You can make a little watch list and look at the descriptions and sort by genre. It's really incredible. And an insiders only forum hosted on Slack where you can chat with each other, chat with us. Uh, We're going to have little happy hours for recommendations. It's going to be excellent. So you should go to bookriot.com slash podcast insiders to find out all about the different levels, the different pricing structures, and join us. It's going to be excellent. Um, The year packages are a super good deal. And wait till you see the new releases index. Like, it is bananas. It is amazing. It's so cool. There's a demo. You can, like, poke at it before you buy. It's, like, pretty. Like, it's really slick. And it looks nice. And it's intuitive. Mm-hmm. Not to like toot our own whatever. I mean, but. we're gonna toot the horns. <laughs> yeah. It's just gonna happen. It's just gonna happen. But like, so it's yeah, amazing. <laughs> it's really cool. So bookriot.com slash podcast insiders. Go check it out. We are super excited about that. Not to continue okay. harping on this index thing, no, but no, to go. continue it's harping. Amazing. This is like a thing that I've been wanting set like since before Bookriot started. Like when I first got into book blogging, and I was blogging about the classics, so it kind of even didn't necessarily apply to what I was working on. But like some sort of calendar of new releases that were interesting to me that I could sort by genre so that I could look at like in the next six months here are the books that I actually care about that are coming out like that doesn't exist anywhere <laughs> no it, it does. really doesn't I yeah it does. I mean there's a vice but like that's that's Ugh. for insider like publishing people and booksellers it's not into it it's not useful for readers who just want to pre-order a thing you know so anyway it's really really mm-hmm. great i'm excited it about is. It. <laughs> yeah and a lot of the basically all of the features we thought of were things that people have been asking us for but that we haven't been able to deliver in another way like a lot of this stuff you'll be like oh yes i once asked about that or at least you know somebody asked about it um and the new releases index in particular oh it's so good it's so good okay okay um <laughs> sorry so okay on to our question five which is from marie from cardiff wales Oh, how nice. Uh, Who says, I've just finished the Expanse series by James S.A. Corey and loved it. It's just so good. I particularly love the crew and their relationships. Plus, there are strong female characters and diversity. Yay! (laughs) Could you recommend something similar to fill the Expanse-shaped hole in my heart until the next book in the series? I do have Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie, Grim Space by Anne Aguirre, and Neil Stevenson's Seven Eves in my TBR, but I'm not sure that they're what I'm looking for at the moment. I've also read Saga, but would appreciate any suggestions you have. All right, Amanda, go. Okay, um, Grim Space is what you're looking for, just to put that out there 
So go ahead and pick that up off your TBR because that's what you want. Uh, other than that, <laughs> I have Night City Burning by J. Patrick Black for you, um, which I picked because of the kind of, what am I trying to say? Like um, team, is it t- like team point of view gang sort of stuff that's happening in the expanse. You get a lot of that in Night City Burning. There's a lot of different character, uh, character POVs um, and people working together and, um, that sort of, uh, it's not like, it doesn't take place on a spaceship, so it's not like a crew, that's, that's not like Firefly, you know, um, but it takes place uh, on Earth during a battle against aliens, so there's a lot of, like, banding together to do a thing. Um, so, as I said, it's about an Earth, uh, like, I think 500 or so years into the future, um, where a race of aliens has uh, come to Earth and essentially taken it over. They have a new weapon uh, that they use uh, that, like raises whole cities at a time, but the weapon use, uh, uses um, an energy called theramity. I don't remember what it's called. A specific type of energy that humans don't have access to to destroy cities. But then when they start using it, humanity it like unlocks the ability of humans to use this kind of energy themselves. And so we start fighting back. And then um, fast forward several hundred years to the future, we're still in this like stalemate. Humanity is still locked in this stalemate with these uh, with this alien race, um, and. Humans who have the ability to use this energy are taken by the military into military training academies to be used as weapons, basically. So you're following several different characters in this like epic saga. One of them is a boy who has the ability to use the energy, so he's in... Um, military academy he doesn't want to be like he's very unenthusiastic about it it's kind of an ender's gamey sort of thing he doesn't really want to be there he doesn't understand the importance of this skill that he has he's constantly got like bodyguards and stuff because he's really good at it and then you're also following um a girl named naomi who is i think like 11 or 12 and her sister who's in her later teens who are part of like uh, an unincorporated group they don't live in any of the official cities they're like bandits basically like a band of bandits um and they don't even realize that like earth is at war with aliens and so they it turns out both of them have this ability to manipulate the energy so they're taken off into the military academy to be trained and um you also one of the other more interesting points of view is from a a guy who works in a um fat like a factory worker in one of the settlements that builds uh, supplies for the soldiers who are fighting. So it's a lot of, like, sending soldiers off to the front to be cannon fodder, basically, um, in this stalemated war against aliens. And then what these people do as they come together to uh, both survive on this Earth that is at war, but also to figure out how to end it, like, to find the peace or to defeat the aliens, which are basically your only two options. So there's a lot of that, like, bonding. It's very, it's, like, very hard sci-fi, um, like, The Expanse, and quick moving like that. So that's Night City Burning by J. Patrick Black, which I think is, it just came out last year, so I don't know if this is true, but I feel like it's supposed to be the first book in a trilogy, um, but Goodreads isn't telling me one way or the other, so I retract my statement. Just kidding. Jen. <laughs> I thought it was, but it's, it doesn't say that there's like a new book coming out, so maybe not. No, I don't know. Um, I just want to say it was really entertaining. There's like a bird or burb, if you will, who was like enthusiastically like serenading you in the background. <laughs> Oh, of yes. Your, of that. And I was like, oh, the, the bird really likes this recommendation. It's like, <laughs> For this, like, alien super, war book. Super excited about alien war. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my windows are open. Well, that one is. I have a bird feeder right outside, so. Oh, nice. Very good. Um, okay, so my pick for you is Embassy Town by China Mabel, which is 
less about the crew stuff and more about the intensely weird alien stuff, which is always what I think of when I think of The Expanse, but does have, like, amazing characters in it. So the plot of Embassy Town is really hard to sum up. Um, the gist of it is, is that it's in the far future, and humans have colonized a planet, and there is an alien race called the Arieki, Ariekai, I don't know how to say it, uh, who are sentient, and they have, like, this really intense language. They have, they have two mouths, basically. Well, they're not exactly mouths, but anyway, they speak out of two parts of their body, um, and so it's a really hard language for humans to do because we can't do that. So there are these specially altered ambassadors, uh, humans who have been, like, Paired via weirdo genetic technology so that they can speak in harmony to the aliens so that the aliens can understand them. Um, this has been going on for a while, and uh, Avis, who is a colonist, has just gotten back to Embassy Town, which is like the human port on this language, um, but she is part of the language because they have a lot of like visual metaphors and similes, and she herself is one such visual metaphor. So she's like a living piece of language to the aliens. This is all complicated by the fact that the aliens don't understand lies. Like, they literally don't have this concept. Um, and then, of course, humans are super into it, so there are all of these complications and perhaps there is like violence brewing and there's catastrophe and all of these things are happening. In the meantime, Avis is having an affair with some of the ambassadors and there's all of this. It's just crazy. Um, unsurprisingly because it was written by China people like everything he writes <laughs> is, is bananas <laughs> just bananas but this is a really to me what was so fascinating about this book is that first of all he's like invented all of this you know futury stuff out of the cloth of his brain and it's super weird and interesting and there's deep space and weird piloting stuff and then there's this weird dual language thing and these crazy ambassadors and then there's the aliens and this like really heartbreaking moment I don't want to spoil anything. Anyway, there's a lot of really intense feelings that I have about this book. Um, and so I think it would be an interesting read for anybody who's interested in hard sci-fi about alien encounters. Uh, so that is Embassy Town by China Evil. All right. Question six is from Cell. I'm in the mood for some great adventure fiction with a strong sense of place. My mood stems from recently discovering the Agent Carter series and experiencing withdrawal while waiting for the return of the Musketeers series on BBC America. In the past, I've enjoyed books like The Three Musketeers and The Count of Monte Cristo, Treasure Island. Um, I would love to read books with strong, smart female characters if possible, and my searches for books fitting my requirements have been fruitless. Mm, excuse me. Okay, so my pick for you is Gunpowder Alchemy by Jeannie Lynn, which has such an excellent sense of place and it's also historical and also steampunk there's a lot going on here so it takes place in the mid 1800s um and then the late 1800s you're kind of traveling throughout time here uh during the king dynasty um and in this all kind of alternate historical steampunky place um the dynasty has sort of fallen to britain's use of steam powder um and so after a really pivotal battle uh where the dynasty loses to britain's steam engines the emperor executes all of his engineers which like in a fit of rage um which of course means he's executed like the smartest scientists of the country who could actually solve his problems um and so now britain has just sort of camped out in uh in china and is subsequently sort of ruling and okay so the main character's name is jen this takes place uh eight years after all that happens and her father was one of the big scientists who was executed and she has taken it upon herself to try and keep her family um going out of poverty her mother is now an opium addict and is of no help um and her savings jen's savings are 
pretty much running out. So she's selling the last of her father's possessions, a memento, like a, a box kind of thing that she doesn't know really what it is or what it does. Um, and so she leaves her small village to go into town to sell it. While she's trying to find a buyer, she's kind of basically kidnapped and brought before the crown prince who wants to use her and this uh, little box thing that she has um, to reunite basically China's most intelligent remaining engineers to fight the English invaders against his father's wishes. And so he wants to use her to like go find um, her dad's friends who most of our, most of whom are like rebels now and get them to work for the empire again. And at the same time, there's like a romantic subplot happening with a guy that who she was supposed to have an arranged marriage with, but it didn't happen because of, you know, everybody was assassinated or, or executed. Um, and so there's like, there's just, she gets kidnapped and then she runs away and then she like escapes pirates and there's so much adventure happening. It's very musketeery. Um, well, I guess it would be more Mont, Mont, kind of Monte Cristo ish because there's escapes. Anyway, it's very adventure-y, um, and every um, description of, like, the landscape and the atmosphere is really strong, and it grounds you very much in this, like, alternate imagined China of the late 1800s, and it's just really fun. And this is the first in a series, I, which I, I do know for a fact. I'm saying categorically first in a series, so there are more if you, if you want to read more. So that's Gunpowder Alchemy by Jeannie Lin. All right, I picked for you Ever Fair by Nisi Shaw, which is this fantastic alternate history novel, uh, which is also a little steampunky. Amanda and I had a theme. Who knew? <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, it's, oh man, it's so good. Okay, she was a Book Riot Live last year, so like every time I think about her, I'm like transported back into her amazing like talks at Book Riot Live. Okay, so she decided that she was going to rewrite the history of the Belgian Congo um, with, like, you know, a little steampunk twist. Uh, and so the premise is that, like, what if the natives had uh, had had access to better technology um, when King Leopold of Belgium was basically destroying their entire world? And so she has all of these different characters interacting in uh, the Congo, um, which is super strong sense of place, which I think you mentioned in there somewhere, um, and uh, an amazing character. So there's missionaries from America, and there's these British socialists, and then there's the local population, um, which includes uh, immigrants from Indonesia and China, um, as well as the native African population. So there's a lot of different people all coming together in this one place. Um, and so, of course, there's tons of politics, which... Uh, a lot of the books you mention are about. Um, there's a lot of adventure. There's um, there's all kinds of like funky like you know hot air balloon raids and like zeppelin battles. Um, there are also like secret missions and um, diplomacy and attempts at assassination. I mean, there is a lot that happens in this book, and it also spans about thirty years. So you're dealing with like a really inter- a time frame where she really gets to develop her vision of what history could have. Looked like given these alternate set of circumstances. So I just, uh, it was, it's an amazing read. Um, and I did, I really fell for the characters of which there are a ton. So it's not hard to fall for at least one of them, but I got really into pretty much all of them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's hijinks, it's history, it's got amazing people. It's it's so rooted in the landscape that they are in, in the Congo. So I think it will really fit the bill for you. So that is Everfair by Nisi Shaw. 
Okay, let's see. Question seven is from Ryan, who says, my TBR list is out of control. Uh, one type of book I don't know how to specifically search for but thoroughly enjoy is, for lack of a better word, the effed up book. Two examples are Tampa and the Preacher comic series. Both were great, engrossing, and so twisted. What can you recommend that might be in this lane? <laughs> I just, I saw that Amanda had pulled this question out and I was like, oh yes, <laughs> rolls up sleeves. Let's talk about some really weird books. Yeah. Um, but Amanda, you can go first. Okay. So <laughs> I love this question so much. Um, okay, so my recommendation for this is Asking for It by Lila Pace, which is actually a work of BDSM erotica, but it is problematic. So um, I actually like it gave me when you said Tampa, this is the first thing I thought of for some reason. Um, so it's about a woman named Vivian who cannot enjoy her sexual life unless she is role playing being raped and he hero i don't even know of the book his name is jonah and he similarly does not enjoy his sexual life unless he is role-playing raping somebody so they meet uh like a bar or concert i don't remember where they meet but they have a one-night stand of really really rough um you know sex and then they realize what's happening that they kind of mesh in this particular way so they make this arrangement um to continue role-playing those things. So things like he memorizes her work schedule and then quote-unquote like surprises her when she's getting in her car and pretends to kidnap her and rape her in her car, that sort of stuff. Um, And it gets more and more intense and more and more um, uh, like violent, but consensually violent, so question mark. Um, The obviously has problematic elements like just from what I've said, but the reason why... Vivian is like this. The reason why she has this preference in her in her sexual life is because she was raped, and she's using this as like a way to kind of practice regaining control, or like a way to feel like she's more in control of the situation. In the book, she's in therapy, so uh, and her therapist knows what she's doing, and like there are conversations about whether that's smart or healthy, um, and so. It's just, like, the level of how messed up you'll find this, I guess, really depends on the person. I've, I've So I liked it, and in the same, but I also liked Tampa, which is also, like, squeaky! The <laughs> um, most squeaky. Just the squ- Tampa's the most screwed up book, and I've read pretty much, like, all of Chuck Palahniuk's. Like, it's just the most screwed up book I've ever read. Um, but asking for it is, you know, consensual adults, which Tampa cannot say. <laughs> um, so it's messed up in that it has some uncomfortable sexual elements that are really for some readers cause a lot of you know moments of pause especially since it's a work of erotica so it's meant to make you feel a certain way which if you do can make you wonder some stuff about your own self (laughs) um so yeah and it is the first book and i think a duology there's certainly more than one um but I really liked it. It's a really interesting examination of that aspect of uh, which is of like a fantasy that some people do have, and like role playing in this way is a is an, an alive and well uh, thing out there. So I don't know. It's 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 messed up? Question mark. It's messed up depending on who you ask. Ugh. So that's asking for it by Lila Pace. Can I like soapbox for one Please second do. about Tampa versus oh Lolita? Because I feel like there's such a double standard. Like Lolita gets hailed as this like classic, and then all people can talk about with Tampa is how squicky it is, which like it is, but also I would argue Lolita is way squickier. Um 
Anyway, okay, sorry. <laughs> I will now give my recommendation for this question, <laughs> which is out by Natsu Kirna, which I like double checked and we haven't talked about it in just long enough that I feel okay talking about it again. Um, and it is one of the most messed up books I've ever read in my life. It is about these women who work in a food factory. Um, this group of women who are co-workers and one of them basically kills her deadbeat husband in like a fit of rage and frustration with how hard he is making her life and then her co-workers help her cover it up and then they discover like they're kind of good at disposing of bodies um and so then they like things start to you know kind of spiral out of control um and then there's this yakuza criminal who's like hunting them down um it's really like super trigger warningy messed up uh lots of lots of terrible things happen in this book um but what makes it so interesting is how the relationships of the characters uh, like play across these really intense situations so like you can see how they get where they go even though it is so far out there in this like crazy violent you know situations um so I thought she just did an incredible job of evoking like how it is that you end up in these kinds of places so that is out by Natsuo Kirino uh translated by Steven Snyder okay <laughs> that book that book all right, so question eight is me. All right, this is from Andrea and Anna, who says, My sister and I are in our mid early mid-30s and decided to read one book together each month. Our first choice is On Chesil Beach by Anne McEwen because it's short. Okay. Uh, she loves anything science fiction and history, Harry Potter, dystopian novels. I love nonfiction, family sagas, books set in the 20s, and memoirs. We're being open-minded to each of our preferences but could use some recommendations. If you could help us out, that we would appreciate it. Okay. Um, so I kind of fixated on the family book set in the 20s history kind of stuff and went with Rules of Civility by Amor Tolls, um, which is a great book club book. So, I mean, I know two people isn't necessarily like a book club, but that's kind of what you're doing. You're like, you have a sister book club. Um, and I really, really love this book because it's, it's great. It's like Gatsby-ish and it's actually set in the 30s, not the 20s, but it has that same kind of Gilded Age sort of feel. Uh, it's about a 25-year-old girl named Katie who... Um, like when the book opens is in this like jazz bar with her roommate and they're both pretty broke. They work as I think secretaries uh, in New York. And while they're in this jazz club trying to like just have, you know, a night on the town, uh, they meet a really handsome banker named Tinker Gray who sits at the next table and they, um, you know, strike up a conversation, the three of them. Uh, and they become, she, and then Katie becomes like embroiled in Tinker's life and his social circles. Um, and through her relationship with him, finds herself in these like upper echelons of New York society, um, hanging out with and maybe dating like up this really shy multimillionaire being like going to parties in the Upper East Side, um, becoming friends with like really wealthy widows, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then the three of them, Tinker and her, uh, Katie and her roommate have this kind of like a really complicated romantic triangle thing happening. Um, and then Tinker disappears. And while she like waits for him, to circle back around, uh, she discovers things about his upbringing and his life um, that are very reminiscent of The Great Gatsby. But it's got a great sense of place. Like, New York in 1937 is not, um, like a year that I would necessarily pick to read about. Uh, but it feels you, it's just very transportive. Like you were just there. And if you like that part about the great Gatsby, about like rich people and their problems and their like emotions, but in the thirties. So like rich people's problems are like actual 
real horrible problem. I don't know. It's just like complicated. Um, and then these kind of poor young people striving so hard to get into those, uh, you know, that rarefied air of New York society in the thirties. It's just a really fascinating uh, book. And there's lots to talk about both between the, the character, the relationship between the characters and the setting. Um, so I think it would be a good pick. So that's rules of civility by Amor tolls. And it is not terribly short. It's 330 pages, but it's also, you know, it's not a chunker. So I think it should be fine. (laughs) (laughs) um i'm super proud of my pick because i thought of i know like patting myself on the back over here i thought of a book that is a fairy tale rewritten as a like prohibition era realist novel so it's girls at the kingfisher club by genevieve valentine which is a rewrite of the 12 dancing princesses except they're flappers during the roaring 20s in manhattan (laughs) um so hopefully this will speak to both of your interests and as a person who's a big fan of um your sister's books, as well as the books that you like, I, I feel like this satisfies a lot of both of those things. So the Joe, who is the firstborn, and she gets called the general by her 11 sisters, um, is sort of in charge because their mother died. Um, and she is the one who has taught all of them how to dance. And they, at each night, they slip out of the house and they go to a speakeasy. Um, and they like have this you know nightlife that their father has no idea um, and would die if he ever knew. And in the meantime, in the daytime, they're like very prim and proper they're not allowed out of the house for reasons which become clear later on and he is trying to marry them off because he has 11 daughters um and also he's like doing some businessy things with his like trying to use them basically as like tools uh, and use their marriages for his own benefit um not a great guy not a great dude i'm just gonna say (laughs) and then one night uh they get caught in a raid because speakeasy during prohibition And um, everything kind of becomes much more complicated, and they realize they cannot go on as they have been. Um, So then they're, oh, I don't want to spoil anything. So, okay, so everything gets complicated, and they have to make some decisions. I thought the sister relationships were fascinating, and there are 11 of them. So it is occasionally hard to remember which is which, but I think Genevieve did a really good job of giving you, like, the clues, the context you need to, like, figure out what the dynamic is in any given conversation. Um, And the scene in the in the speakeasy are so great and the dancing scenes are so great and it was really interesting to think about this in like in terms of the original myth so uh, or fairy tale rather so there's all kinds of good stuff to talk about and it's just a really enjoyable read as well so that is the girls at the kingfisher club by genevieve valentine and that's our show Hooray! so thank you so much for listening uh please do leave us a review on itunes when you get a chance we love seeing the feedback and it also helps other people to find the show uh thank you so much to today's sponsors um and you can find us on social i am jen irl jen with two n's and amanda is i'm amanda nelson and we will talk to you next time